Section 28 of Young Folks Treasury, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Young Folks Treasury, Volume 2. Edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Heroes of Grace and Rome. Section 28. Perseus. Adapted Mary McGregor. Part 1. Perseus and His Mother. Once upon a time there were two princes who were twins. They lived in a pleasant vale far away in Hellas. They had fruitful meadows and vineyards, sheep and oxen, great herds of horses, and all that men could need to make them blessed. And yet they were wretched, because they were jealous of each other. From the moment they were born they began to quarrel, and when they grew up each tried to take away the other's share of the kingdom and keep all for himself. And there came a prophet to one of the hard-hearted princes, and said, Because you have risen up against your own family, your own family shall rise up against you. Because you have sinned against your kindred, by your kindred shall you be punished. Your daughter Danae shall bear a son, and by that son's hands you shall die. So the gods have said, and it shall surely come to pass. At that the hard-hearted prince was very much afraid, but he did not mend his ways, for when he became king he shut up his fair daughter Danae in a cavern, underground, lined with brass, that no one might come near her. So he fancied himself more cunning than the gods. Now it came to pass that in time Danae bore a son, so beautiful a babe that any but the king would have had pity on it. But he had no pity, for he took Danae and her babe down to the seashore, put them into a great chest, and thrust them out to sea, that the winds and the waves might carry them whithersoever they would. And away and out to sea before the northwest wind floated the mother and her babe, while all who watched them wept save that cruel king. So they floated on and on, and the chest danced up and down upon the billows, and the babe slept in its mother's arms. But the poor mother could not sleep, but watched and wept, and she sang to her babe as they floated. Now they are past the last blue headland and in the open sea. There is nothing round them but waves and the sky and the wind. But the waves are gentle, and the sky is clear, and the breeze is tender and low. So a night passed, and a day, and a long day it was to Danae, and another night and day beside, till Danae was faint with hunger and weeping, and yet no land appeared, and all the while the babe slept quietly, and at last poor Danae dropped her head and fell asleep likewise, with her cheek against her babe's. After a while she was awakened suddenly, for the chest was jarring and grinding, and the air was full of sound. She looked up, and over her head were mighty cliffs, and around her rocks and breakers and flying flakes of foam. She clasped her hands together and shrieked aloud for help, and when she cried, help met her, for now there came over the rocks a tall and stately man, and looked down, wondering upon poor Danae, tossing about in the chest among the waves. He wore a rough cloak, and on his head a broad hat to shade his face, and in his hand he carried a trident, which is a three-pronged fork for spearing fish, and over his shoulder was a casting net. But Danae could see that he was no common man by his height and his walk, and his flowing golden hair and beard, and by the two servants who came behind him carrying baskets for his fish. She had hardly time to look at him before he had laid aside his trident and leaped down the rocks and thrown his casting net so surely over Danae in the chest that he drew it and her and the babe safe upon a ledge of rock. Then the fisherman took Danae by the hand and lifted her out of the chest and said, Oh, beautiful damsel, what strange chance has brought you to this island in so frail a ship? Who are you and whence? Surely you are some king's daughter and this boy belongs to the gods. 
and as he spoke he pointed to the babe, for its face shone like the morning star. But Danae only held down her head and sobbed out, Tell me to what land I have come, and among what men I have fallen. And he said, Polydectes is king of this isle, and he is my brother. Men call me Dictus the Netter, because I catch the fish of the shore. Then Danae fell down at his feet, and embraced his knees, and cried, O oh, sir, have pity upon a stranger, whom cruel doom has driven to your land, and let me live in your house as a servant. But treat me honorably, for I once was a king's daughter, and this my boy is of no common race. I will not be a charge to you, or eat the bread of idleness, for I am more skillful in weaving and embroidery than all the maidens of my land. And she was going on, but Dictus stopped her and raised her up and said, My daughter, I am old and my hairs are growing gray, while I have no children to make my home cheerful. Come with me then, and you shall be a daughter to me and to my wife, and this babe shall be our grandchild. So Danae was comforted and went home with Dictus, the good fisherman, and was a daughter to him and his wife, till fifteen years were past. Part two: How Perseus vowed a rash vow. Fifteen years were past and gone, and the babe was now grown to be a tall lad and a sailor. His mother called him Perseus, but all the people in the isle called him King of the Immortals. For though he was but fifteen, Perseus was taller by a head than any man in the island, and he was brave and truthful and gentle and courteous. For good old Dictus had trained him well, and well it was for Perseus that he had done so. For now Danae and her son fell into great danger, and Perseus had need of all his strength to defend his mother and himself. Polydectes, the king of the island, was not a good man like his brother Dictus, but he was greedy and cunning and cruel. And when he saw fair Danae, he wanted to marry her, but she would not, for she did not love him and cared for no one but her boy. At last Polydectes became furious, and while Perseus was away at sea, he took poor Danae away from Dictus, saying, If you will not be my wife, you shall be my slave. So Danae was made a slave, and had to fetch water from the well and grind in the mill. But Perseus was far away over the seas, little thinking that his mother was in great grief and sorrow. Now one day, while the ship was lading, Perseus wandered into a pleasant wood to get out of the sun, and sat down on the turf, and fell asleep. And as he slept, a strange dream came to him, the strangest dream he had ever had in his life. There came a lady to him through the wood, taller than he, or any mortal man, but beautiful exceedingly, with great gray eyes, clear and piercing, but strangely soft and mild. On her head was a helmet, and in her hand a spear. And over her shoulder, above her long blue robes, hung a goat skin, which bore up a mighty shield of brass, polished like a mirror. She stood and looked at him with her clear gray eyes, and Perseus dropped his eyes, trembling and blushing, as the wonderful lady spoke, Perseus, you must do an errand for me. Then the strange lady, whose name was Athena, laughed and held up her brazen shield, and cried, See here, Perseus, dare you face such a monster as this and slay it, that I may place its head upon this shield? And in the mirror of the shield there appeared a face, and as Perseus looked on it his blood ran cold. It was the face of a beautiful woman, but her cheeks were pale and her lips were thin. Instead of hair, vipers wreathed about her temples and shot out their forked tongues, and she had claws of brass. Perseus looked a while and then said, If there is anything so fierce and ugly on earth, it were a noble deed to kill it. Where can I find the monster? Then the strange lady smiled again and said, You are too young, for this is Medusa the Gorgon. Return to your home, and when you have done the work that awaits you there, you may be worthy to go in search of the monster. Perseus would have spoken, but the strange lady vanished, and he awoke 
and behold it was a dream so he returned home and the first thing he heard was that his mother was a slave in the house of polydectes grinding his teeth with rage he went out and away to the king's palace and through the men's rooms and the women's rooms and so through all the house till he found his mother sitting on the floor turning the stone hand mill and weeping as she turned it and he lifted her up and kissed her and bade her follow him forth but before they could pass out of the room polydectes came in when perseus saw the king he flew upon him and cried tyrant is this thy mercy to strangers and widows thou shalt die and because he had no sword he caught up the stone hand mill and lifted it to dash out polydectes brains but his mother clung to him shrieking and good dictus too entreated him to remember that the cruel king was his brother then perseus lowered his hand and polydectes who had been trembling all this while like a coward let perseus and his mother pass so perseus took his mother to the temple of athena and there the priestess made her one of the temple sweepers and there they knew she would be safe for not even polydectes would dare to drag her out of the temple and there perseus and the good dictus and his wife came to visit her every day as for polydectes not being able to get danae by force he cast about how he might get her by cunning he was sure he could never get back danae as long as perseus was in the island so he made a plot to get rid of him first he pretended to have forgiven perseus and to have forgotten danae so that for a while all went smoothly next he proclaimed a great feast and invited to it all the chiefs and the young men of the island and among them perseus that they might all do him homage as their king and eat of his banquet in his hall on the appointed day they all came and as the custom was then each guest brought with him a present for the king one brought a horse another a shawl or a ring or a sword and some brought baskets of grapes but perseus brought nothing for he had nothing to bring being only a poor sailor lad he was ashamed however to go into the king's presence without a gift so he stood at the door sorrowfully watching the rich men go in and his face grew very red as they pointed at him and smiled and whispered and what has perseus to give Perseus blushed and stammered, while all the proud men round laughed and mocked, till the lad grew mad with shame, and hardly knowing what he said, he cried out, A present? See, if I do not bring a nobler one than all of yours together. Here the boaster, what is this present to be? cried they all, laughing louder than ever. Then Perseus remembered his strange dream, and he cried aloud, The head of Medusa the Gargon. He was half afraid after he had said the words, for all laughed louder than ever, and Polydectes loudest of all, while he said, you have promised to bring me the gorgon's head then never appear again in this island without it go perseus saw that he had fallen into a trap but he went out without a word down to the cliffs he went and looked across the broad blue sea and wondered if his dream were true athena was my dream true shall i slay the gorgon he prayed rashly and angrily i promised but wisely and patiently will i perform but there was no answer nor sign not even a cloud in the sky Three times Perseus called, weeping, Rashly and angrily I promised, but wisely and patiently will I perform. Then he saw, afar off, a small white cloud as bright as silver, and as it touched the cliffs it broke and parted, and within it appeared Athena, and beside her a young man, whose eyes were like sparks of fire. And they came swiftly toward Perseus, and he fell down and worshipped, for he knew they were more than mortal. But Athena spoke gently to him and bade him have no fear. Perseus, she said, you have braved Polydectes and done manfully. Dare you brave Medusa the Gorgon? Perseus answered, Try me, for since you spoke to me, new courage has come into my soul. And Athena said, Perseus, this deed requires a seven years' journey, in which you cannot turn back nor escape. If your heart fails, you must die, and no man will ever find your bones. 
and perseus said tell me o fair and wise athena how i can do but this one thing and then if need be die then athena smiled and said be patient and listen you must go northward till you find the three gray sisters who have but one eye and one tooth amongst them ask them the way to the daughters of the evening star for they will tell you the way to the gorgon that you may slay her but beware for her eyes are so terrible that whoever looks on them is turned to stone how am i to escape her eyes said perseus will she not freeze me too you shall take this polished shield said athena and look not at herself but at her image in the shield so you may strike her safely and when you have struck off her head wrap it with your face turned away in the folds of the goat-skin on which the shield hangs so you bring it safely back to me and win yourself renown and a place among heroes then said perseus i will go though i die in going but how shall i cross the seas without a ship and who will show me the way and how shall i slay her if her scales be iron and brass but the young man who was with athena spoke these sandals of mine will bear you across the seas and over hill and dale like a bird as they bear me all day long the sandals themselves will guide you on the road for they are divine and cannot stray and this sword itself will kill her for it is divine and needs no second strike arise and gird them on and go forth so perseus arose and girded on the sandals and the sword and athena cried now leap from the cliff and be gone and perseus looked down the cliff and shuddered but he was ashamed to show his dread and he leaped into the empty air and behold instead of falling he floated and stood and ran along the sky Part Three: How Perseus Slew the Gorgon So Perseus started on his journey, going dry-shod over land and sea, and his heart was high and joyful, for the sandals bore him each day a seven days' journey. And at last, by the shore of a freezing sea, beneath the cold winter moon, he found the three gray sisters. There was no living thing around them, not a fly, not a moss upon the rocks. They passed their one eye each to the other, but for all that they could not see and they passed the one tooth from one to the other, but for all that they could not eat, and they sat in the full glare of the moon, but they were none the warmer for her beams. And Perseus said, Tell me, O venerable mothers, the path to the daughters of the evening star. They heard his voice, and then one cried, Give me the eye that I may see him, and another, Give me the tooth that I may bite him. But they had no answer for his question. Then Perseus stepped close to them, and watched as they passed the eye from hand to hand, and as they groped about he held out his own hand gently till one of them put the eye into it fancying it was the hand of her sister at that perseus sprang back and laughed and cried cruel old women i have your eye and i will throw it into the sea unless you tell me the path to the daughters of the evening star and swear to me that you tell me right then they wept and chattered and scolded but all in vain they were forced to tell the truth though when they told it perseus could hardly make out the way but he gave them back the eye and leaped away to the southward leaving the snow and ice behind. At last he heard sweet voices singing, and he guessed that he was come to the garden of the daughters of the evening star. When they saw him, they trembled, and said, Are you come to rob our garden and carry off our golden fruit? But Perseus answered, I want none of your golden fruit. Tell me the way which leads to the Gorgon, that I may go on my way and slay her. Not yet, not yet, fair boy, they answered. Come dance with us around the trees in the garden. I cannot dance with you, fair maidens, so tell me the way to the gorgon lest i wander and perish in the waves then they sighed and wept and answered the gorgon she will freeze you into stone but perseus said the gods have lent me weapons and will give me wisdom to use them then the fair maidens told him that the gorgon lived on an island far away but that whoever went near the island must wear the hat of darkness so that he could not himself be seen and one of the fair maidens held in her hand 
the magic hat. While all the maidens kissed Perseus and wept over him, he was only impatient to be gone. So at last they put the magic hat upon his head, and he vanished out of their sight. And Perseus went on boldly, past many an ugly sight, till he heard the rustle of the gorgon's wings, and saw the glitter of their brazen claws. Then he knew that it was time to halt, lest Medusa should freeze him into stone. He thought a while with himself, and remembered Athena's words. Then he rose into the air, and held the shield above his head, and looked upon it, that he might see all that was below him. And he saw three gorgons sleeping, as huge as elephants. He knew that they could not see him, because the hat of darkness hid him, and yet he trembled as he sank down near them. So terrible were those brazen claws. Medusa tossed to and fro restlessly in her sleep. Her long neck gleamed so white in the mirror that Perseus had not the heart to strike. But as he looked from among her tresses, the vipers awoke and peeped up with their bright dry eyes and showed their fangs and hissed. And Medusa, as she tossed, showed her brazen claws, and Perseus saw that for all her beauty she was as ugly as the others. Then he came down and stepped to her boldly and looked steadfastly on his mirror and struck with his sword stoutly once, and he did not need to strike again. He wrapped the head in the goatskin, turning away his eyes, and sprang into the air aloft, faster than he ever sprang before. And well his brave sandals bore him, through cloud and sunshine, across the shoreless sea, till he came again to the gardens of the fair maidens. Then he asked them, By what road shall I go homeward again? And they wept and cried, Go home no more, but stay and play with us, the lonely maidens. But Perseus refused, and leapt down the mountain, and went on like a seagull, away and out to sea. Part 4. How Perseus Met Andromeda So Perseus flitted onward to the northeast over many a league of sea, till he came to the rolling sandhills of the desert. Over the sands he went, he never knew how far nor how long, hoping all day to see the blue sparkling Mediterranean that he might fly across it to his home. But now came down a mighty wind and swept him back southward toward the desert. All day long he strove against it, but even the sandals could not prevail and when morning came there was nothing to be seen save the same old hateful waste of sand. At last the gale fell, and he tried to go northward again. But again down came the sandstorms and swept him back into the desert, and then all was calm and cloudless as before. Then he cried to Athena, Shall I never see my mother more, and the blue ripple of the sea and the sunny hills of Hellas? So he prayed, and after he had prayed there was a great silence. And Perseus stood a while and waited, and said, Surely I am not here but by the will of the gods, for Athena will not lie. Were not these sandals to lead me in the right road? Then suddenly his ears were opened, and he heard the sound of running water. And Perseus laughed for joy, and leapt down the cliff, and drank of the cool water, and ate of the dates, and slept on the turf, and leapt up and went forward again, but not toward the north this time. For he said, Surely Athena hath sent me hither, and will not have me go homeward yet. What if there be another noble deed to be done before I see the sunny hills of Hellas? So Perseus flew along the shore above the sea, and at the dawn of the day he looked toward the cliffs. At the water's edge, under a black rock, he saw a white image stand. This, thought he, must surely be the statue of some sea-god. I will go near and see. And he came near, but when he came it was no statue he found, but a maiden of flesh and blood, for he could see her tresses streaming in the breeze. And as he came closer still, he could see how she shrank and shivered when the waves sprinkled her with cold salt spray. Her arms were spread above her head and fastened to the rock with chains of brass, and her head drooped, either with sleep or weariness or grief. But now and then she looked up and wailed and called her mother. Yet she did not see Perseus, for the cap of darkness was on his head. In his heart, pity and indignation, 
Perseus drew near and looked upon the maid. Her cheeks were darker than his, and her hair was blue-black like a hyacinth. Perseus thought, I have never seen so beautiful a maiden, no, not in all our isles. Surely she is a king's daughter. She is too fair, at least, to have done any wrong. I will speak to her. And lifting the magic hat from his head, he flashed into her sight. She shrieked with terror, but Perseus cried, Do not fear me, fair one. What cruel men have bound you? But first I will set you free. And he tore at the fetters, but they were too strong for him, while the maiden cried, Touch me not. I am a victim for the sea-gods. They will slay you if you dare set me free. Let them try, said Perseus, and drawing his sword, he cut through the brass as if it had been flax. Now, he said, you belong to me, and not to these sea-gods, whosoever they may be. But she only called the more on her mother. Then he clasped her in his arms, and cried, Where are these sea-gods, cruel and unjust, who doom fair maidens to death? Let them measure their strength against mine. But tell me, maiden, who you are, and what dark fate brought you here? And she answered, weeping, I am the daughter of a king, and my mother is the queen with the beautiful tresses, and they call me Andromeda. I stand here to atone for my mother's sin, for she boasted of me once that I was fairer than the queen of the fishes. So she, in her wrath, sent the sea-floods and wasted all the land, and now I must be devoured by a sea-monster to atone for a sin which I never committed. But Perseus laughed and said, A sea-monster? I have fought with worse than he. Andromeda looked up at him, and new hope was kindled in her heart. So proud and fair did he stand, with one hand round her, and in the other the glittering sword. But still she sighed, and said, Why will you die, young as you are? Go you on your way, I must go mine. Perseus cried, Not so. I slew the Gorgon by the help of the gods, and not without them do I come hither to slay this monster, with that same Gorgon's head. Yet hide your eyes when I leave you, lest the sight of it freeze you too to stone. But the maiden answered nothing, for she could not believe his words. Then suddenly looking up, she pointed to the sea and shrieked, There he comes with the sunrise, as they said, I must die now. Oh, go! And she tried to thrust him away. And Perseus said, I go, yet promise me one thing ere I go, that if I slay this beast you will be my wife, and come back with me to my kingdom, for I am a king's son. Promise me, and seal it with a kiss. Then she lifted up her face and kissed him, and Perseus laughed for joy and flew upward while Andromeda crouched, trembling, on the rock. On came the great sea-monster, lazily breasting the ripple and stopping at times by creek or headland. His great sides were fringed with clustering shells and seaweeds, and the water gurgled in and out of his wide jaws as he rolled along. At last he saw Andromeda and shot forward to take his prey. Then down from the height of the air fell Perseus like a shooting star, down to the crests of the waves, while Andromeda hid her face as he shouted, and then there was silence for a while. When at last she looked up, trembling, Andromeda saw Perseus springing toward her, and instead of the monster, a long black rock with the sea rippling quietly around it. Who then, so proud as Perseus, as he leapt back to the rock, and lifted his fair Andromeda in his arms, and flew with her to the cliff-top, as a falcon carries a dove? Who so proud as Perseus, and who so joyful as the people of the land, and the king and the queen came, and all the people came with songs and dances to receive Andromeda back again, as one alive from the dead. Then the king said to Perseus, Hero of the Hellens, stay here with me and be my son-in-law, and I will give you half my kingdom. I will be your son-in-law, said Perseus, but of your kingdom will I have none, for I long after the pleasant land of Greece, and my mother who waits for me at home. Then said the king, You must not take my daughter away at once, for she is to us as one alive from the dead. Stay with us here a year, and after that you shall return with honor. And Perseus consented, but before he went to the palace he bade the people bring stones and wood, and build an altar to Athena, 
and there he offered bullocks and rams. Then they made a great wedding feast, which lasted seven whole days. But on the eighth night Perseus dreamed a dream. He saw, standing beside him, Athena, as he had seen her seven long years before, and she stood and called him by name, and said, Perseus, you have played the man, and see, you have your reward. Now give me the sword and the sandals and the hat of darkness, that I may give them back to those to whom they belong. But the Gorgon's head you shall keep a while, for you will need it in your land of Hellas. And Perseus rose to give her the sword and the cap and the sandals. But he awoke, and his dream vanished. Yet it was not altogether a dream, for the goatskin with the head was in its place, but the sword and the cap and the sandals were gone, and Perseus never saw them more. Part 5. How Perseus Came Home Again when a year was ended, Perseus rode away in a noble galley, and in it he put Andromeda and all her dowry of jewels and rich shawls and spices from the east, and great was the weeping when they rode away. And when Perseus reached the land of Hellas, he left his galley on the beach and went up as of old. He embraced his mother and Dictus, and they wept over each other, for it was seven years and more since they had parted. Then Perseus went out and up to the hall of Polydectes, and underneath the goatskin he bore the Gorgon's head. When he came to the hall, Polydectes sat at the table, and all his nobles on either side, feasting on fish and goat's flesh and drinking blood-red wine. Perseus stood on the threshold and called to the king by name, but none of the guests knew the stranger, for he was changed by his long journey. He had gone out a boy, and was come home a hero. But Polydectes the wicked knew him, and scornfully he called, Ach, foundling, have you found it more easy to promise than to fulfill? Those whom the gods help fulfill their promises, said Perseus, as he drew back the goatskin and held aloft the gorgon's head, saying, Behold! Pale grew Polydectes and his guests as they looked upon that dreadful face. They tried to rise from their seats, but from their seats they never rose, but stiffened, each man where he sat, into a ring of cold gray stones. Then Perseus turned and left them, and went down to his galley in the bay. He gave the kingdom to good Dictus, and sailed away with his mother and his bride and Perseus rode westward till he came to his old home, and there he found that his grandfather had fled. The heart of Perseus yearned after his grandfather, and he said, Surely he will love me now that I am come home with honor. I will go and find him, and bring him back, and we will reign together in peace. So Perseus sailed away, and at last came to the land where his grandfather dwelt, and all the people were in the fields, and there was feasting and all kinds of games. Then Perseus did not tell his name, but went up to the games, unknown, for he said, If I carry away the prize in the games, my grandfather's heart will be softened toward me. And when the games began, Perseus was the best of all at running and leaping and wrestling and throwing, and he won four crowns and took them. Then he said to himself, There is a fifth crown to be won. I will win that also, and lay them all upon the knees of my grandfather. So he took the stones and hurled them five fathoms beyond all the rest. And the people shouted, There has never been such a hurler in this land. Again Perseus put out all his strength and hurled, but a gust of wind came from the sea and carried the quoit aside far beyond all the rest, and it fell on the foot of his grandfather, and he swooned away with pain. Perseus shrieked and ran up to him, but when they lifted the old man up, he was dead. Then Perseus rent his clothes and cast dust on his head and wept a long while for his grandfather. At last he arose and called all the people aloud and said, The gods are true. What they have ordained must be. I am Perseus, the grandson of this dead man. Then he told them how a prophet had said that he should kill his grandfather. So they made great mourning for the old king, and burned him on a right rich pile. And Perseus went to the temple and was purified from the guilt of his death, because he had done it unknowingly. Then he went home and reigned well with Andromeda, and they had four sons and three daughters. 
and when they died the ancients say that athena took them up to the sky all night long perseus and andromeda shine as a beacon for wandering sailors but all day long they feast with the gods on the still blue peaks in the home of the immortals end of perseus